do put this part in the podcast. That is a whole other level, which I would love to talk about, is the idea of imperfections interloping into our perfect worlds to expose the category that nothing actually is perfect. Hey, everybody. I'm Connor Walden. And I'm Tiffany Daniel Elliott, and this is Interloper. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So today we wanted to talk about who, what is an interloper and like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about interloper. So what is an interloper? Oh gosh, I should probably like pull up the definition since we're talking about it so much. Well, I'm going to start with a story while you're looking that up. So <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell the story. So uh, when we were trying to figure out what to name, what we are doing, um, we were talking about all these different names and I started thinking about the word interloper because years ago, before I went to grad school, um, for art, I had gone to undergrad for art and I was working in a nonprofit and I decided, Hey, I want to take some art classes at the local university and this program where you could sign up for a master's level classes. And I was like, just naive enough to know, to not know that like, you don't do that or you do do that, but like, you're kind of looked down on cause you're not in the program or at least that was my experience. And so I signed up for a writing art criticism class and it was really awesome. Um, but I was like embedded in the midst of a cohort of artists who'd been accepted into the program. And I didn't really realize how much I didn't belong at the time, but the teacher, the professor always called me interloper. Like he refused to learn my name and he would always address me as interloper. And I had like never heard that word before. And I went home and looked it up and realized like, oh, he's saying that I don't belong here that it's someone that's in a space where they don't belong. And so I just have always been curious about that word and what that means. And the interesting part was in that situation, like at the time, I didn't know that I should feel insecure about myself. So I just did the work and I learned the stuff and I was really interested in it. And this professor in particular was like known for never giving A's because he was like, nobody's ever like people don't earn, you have to be like excellent to get an A in the class. And so after the whole class of him calling me interloper and me being treated by the other art students, like I didn't belong there, I ended up getting the only A in the class. And part of that was because I just did the work and I didn't get consumed with what I was supposed mm -hmm. to be or not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that memory has always stuck with me. And so when we started talking of thinking about like transgressing boundaries and saying the things we're not supposed to say and asking the questions that nobody's asking that word just kind of came to mind. But what is what does interloper actually mean? Like, what's the definition of interloper? The definition, according to dictionary.com, is a person who becomes involved in a place or situation where they are not wanted or are considered not to belong. And then we also really enjoyed the etymology, which has a denotation of an unauthorized trader trespassing on the rights of a trade monopoly. And so we, we really wanted to, we, we really liked both of these kind of ideas where one is talking about specifically a person being in a place where they don't belong, but then also just in an, like an economical and, and money kind of way that there, there are ways that you interlope just by being unauthorized in what you're doing. So when is the time? Can you like tell me about a time in all honesty, like dig deep and be vulnerable here. <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me about a time when you or felt like you were part of a group and then you noticed there was an interloper in the midst of your group. Um, I could think of I actually at this, I was a part of like this campus ministry back in undergrad and 
a a houseless person became started to come to our community really regularly and and I mean this is just me being honest it's like he just he didn't take showers and so like even just like being near him you could tell that like he just like he he smelled in a way that like wasn't normal for me and normal mm-hmm. for the community and so actually like you could tell some people didn't want to sit next to this guy because he just smelled and like you I could even like feel whenever he would sit next to me like there was like a part of me that just like I I could like feel you know a little uncomfortable just like just just from my nose alone not to mention like the way he talked like the way he dressed and like certain things that like he also wasn't like a college student and like we were all college students so there was just like a lot about him being there that was like pretty clear that he didn't belong um but it it, it challenged all of us in learning like how do we how do we welcome somebody and actually work like meet this person where they're at um which was really hard did uh did he go hang out with you guys in your like hangout times outside of your meetings uh I would say like he we, there was like a house like kind of like a house where everybody could go and hang out that was like the Wesley house and so he would be there and like that would be a place where anybody could come and like could hang out but I'd say like we I never invited him to like any of my hangouts with just like my friends from the the group Did you ever go and hang out with his friends and his community No No did anybody in the group do that? Like, I think what's really interesting mm-hmm. is like, I think this concept, like even when you talked about, um, you notice pretty immediately he didn't belong. Um, I think this is a pretty common thing that we don't talk about. And we're like, cause a lot of times we're ashamed to admit, not that like, it's easier to admit that like when we feel like we don't belong, but it can feel like pretty shameful to admit when, how quickly we notice when someone else doesn't belong. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whatever that means. And so like when you said, like you realize pretty quickly, that this man didn't belong. I was wondering, like, did you ever consider during that time that maybe it was you that didn't belong? No. I mean, that never crossed my mind. Like, yeah. Like I just keep thinking about like what, especially around, like, you know, I think a lot about unhoused populations and my opinion, um, about this has changed significantly because my sister was chose to live on the streets for a long time. Mm -hmm. And my opinion about unhoused communities um, change significantly. And there's different people. There's people who've chosen to live there. There's people that there's mental health, there's can be drugs, there can be like economic, like all these different reasons, right? Um, But it was this interesting experience where I would go and hang out with her friends and the people she was living with. And I so felt like I didn't belong, but also like often their existence of the fact that there was someone who didn't have mental health support um, didn't have support to get off drugs, all of these different things. It often made me question like, whoa, what, what kind of a society or community am I professing that I belong to where this happens? Right. And Hmm. it started, began to make me feel like maybe it's me that doesn't belong. Maybe it's me that has this false sense of home, this false sense of security, this false sense of community, um, that doesn't belong in the real world. Cause this feels like the real world where people like just can't get their shit together because hmm. life is really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just thinking about that when you were talking about how often yeah. when we have an interloper come into our community, we assume that it's them that doesn't belong instead of questioning, wait a second, maybe their existence is like speaking to the fact that maybe we don't belong. I guess I'm curious. I don't, I don't actually 
jive with like what you're saying exactly. Like how, what do you, like, what is that? I don't know, just like a sense of belonging to a city, like seems pretty like, like defined. And I guess I'm curious, like what you mean by like them not feeling like they, they belong. Like if you've always been in the city, like born and raised. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I feel like there's, we, we create these false categories. Like that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I'm interested in the interloper and also the outlier. Like I always think about the outlier as you create categories of the way the world is and the way life is and the way things are. And we categorize. And then all of a sudden there's this outlier that doesn't fit into any of the categories. And the existence of that outlier like threatens the existence of the categories, which often is why we try to like squash that person or say they don't belong. Because mm. I think the existence of the outlier exposes that the categories aren't real, right? And so what I mean by that is when I wonder whenever we feel a sense of belonging and then someone comes in who who we identify doesn't belong, if their very existence kind of like blows to smithereens, the idea that we do, because Mm. what does it mean? Like, I think about this, like, what does it mean to be safe? That like, are we ever actually truly safe? And then you think about neighborhoods and about city and about like community. And basically we're just like erecting these false sense of safety so that we can feel like we're connected so that we can feel like we're safe. And what does it mean to have a community that doesn't encompass all of the people in the city, right? Like you have someone who is unhoused in the city. How are they any less a member of that city than you are just because you live in a house? Hmm. How, what if you don't belong? What if you building a house on that land or paying rent to live in a house that was built on land that was stolen? Maybe it's you that's trespassing. Maybe the people that aren't permanently purchasing and owning and living on land, but rather people that are more transient are actually the people that belong to the land more than the people that are taking it. Um, But so I'm going to put myself on the spotlight a little bit Mm -hmm. and then you can feel free to ask me questions too. But I was thinking this morning about the concept of interloper, but also the show, this is it for you that I curated for interloper. And we're going to get a little bit more into that later. Um, but one of the things that is fun and interesting about the title and the concept of the show is also a little bit harsh for me. And I've had a hard time like wrapping my brain around it. And it's exactly what you were just talking about with identity as well. And this like in or out belonging or not belonging. And, um, do you have, do you want to read the curatorial statement real fast or like just the, not, it's not necessarily the curatorial statement, but the statement about the show you have in front of you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get my docent voice here for the audience. <laughs> okay. Who controls the narrative? Who is art for? Who is left on the outside looking in? This Isn't For You is a pairing of two solo exhibitions, each with an artist making work for their own community. Communities alienated in different ways by language, location, and class expectations. By constructing the exhibitions using language and coded signifiers of the communities whom the work is for, each artist creates dual viewing experiences that immediately confront the viewer with a sense of parentheses, not belonging. It is everything you won't understand and yet everything you need to see. Great. So that was kind of the statement that we wrote about the shows. And then each individual show has its own exhibition statement that we can get into. But I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, I just wrote down, this isn't for you. Isn't about separating who it's for and who it isn't for. It's about making a connection between things that are separated. 
And mm. I realized that that's actually at the heart of what the interloper is. And that's actually at the heart of what this show is about, is that on the surface level, we can say that this is about saying you belong, you don't belong. But like, what's ultimately the purpose of doing that? And oftentimes, I think, especially right now in society, we're kind of at that first step of saying, like, you belong here, you don't belong, I belong, we don't belong. And that's kind of what we're getting into in this concept of interloper and also this podcast is what that means. But I'm really curious about this, like, and I say this often, the trajectory of the not yet, like where are we headed and how do we, even though we know we can't get there yet, where are we headed? Where are we hoping? And I realize that for me, the reason that the interloper stays, the reason the interloper stays where the interloper doesn't belong is I wonder if it's a con- trying out of the desire for connecting the people that do belong with the people that don't belong. And I thought, I think about this show, if this isn't for you, it's like, if there are people that the show is for, and that there are people that the show isn't for, that the purpose is not to just identify, say, this isn't for you, or this is for you. It's actually to connect the people that have been separated. (laughs) Um, And to me, that's kind of like at the heart of what why the interloper is incredibly valuable because the interloper can act as that linchpin. Um, the outlier can act as that linchpin and like bring it back to your example about this unhoused person that was a part of your community of like, that was a moment, um, which I'm going to argue that maybe your community and his community missed that in that moment, in that transgression of the interloper from his community into yours, there was a moment to bring together two communities that had been separated, the ones that had houses and the ones that didn't. Um, and that moment was lost, but the opportunity was there. And that's the power of what could have been right. It wasn't just about the Mm -hmm. people with houses to learn how to interact with people that don't and vice versa. It wasn't about just pointing out like you should be ashamed or embarrassed that you have a house or you should be ashamed or embarrassed that you don't have a shower. And so when I begin to think about it, and those terms, it puts a new light on why we're showing the artists that we're showing. Like if we think about uh, Lorena Cruz Santiago's piece, uh, Nui Savi, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it because it's in a language that I don't know. You can't Google. If you Google it, it doesn't come up. And it's an indigenous language of her mm-hmm. parents that immediately the piece is in a language I don't understand, a language I can't find interpretation for. And I'm on the outside. I don't belong. I can't read it. So the work is not for me. But if we think about this where the purpose isn't just to push me out and have me experience what it's like to not belong, I wonder if if the real gem in that moment, when I realize I can't read it, when I realize that like that work isn't for me, that my second question is, well, who is it for? And why don't I know these people? Why don't why am I so separated? I wonder if that's the point, if that's the point is that our second question should be, why don't, why are we separated? Why don't I know this language? It just creates a totally different power on the work that it's not just to say, you don't belong, I belong, but to say, why is, why does belonging even exist? Yeah, actually, I I love, I really love that question being the second question, because that was not my second question. And I wish that was my second question. (laughs) What was your second question? (laughs) Well, I think I was actually like, my initial thought is after I can't read it, I actually have like a, I feel a block because I'm like, 
I feel totally like distant from like whatever is behind this language barrier. And so actually my initial response is just like paralysis in some ways, mm-hmm. like in one ways it's like out of ignorance, the other way is out of like respect. I don't know what to do with the fact that there is like this, this sentence that I don't know what it says. Um, but then like, I found myself the only way to like push into that barrier was actually like to lean into my privilege. But I like imagine like, what would people like back home think? Cause I I had no idea with like where, where I'm at in like my own development right now, like in Seattle, like what would I say? And so I was like, my first, my second question is like, why should I stay? Hmm. I feel this barrier. I feel this block. I can't get past it. Why am I still here? Basically. Like that was my second question. And because there's like a frustration of not having a translation, like the accessibility isn't there. Like there's a, there's an intentional barrier to translation happening here. And, and then my other, my third question is like, is this just recapitulating what maybe Lorena Cruz Santiago's family is feeling, but just happening to me as a white person? Okay. And again, this is me leaning into my privilege, just being like, yeah. Right. And I would argue that that is an understandable response. And that's part of the work, right? That's part of, and by work, I mean, not only our own, like, anti-racist work or anti-privilege work, but also, Mm -hmm. like, part of the actual artwork, part of the curation of this isn't for you. Like, I I think I, one of my desires as a curator for it is not to stop at the level of identifying privilege or identifying identifying privilege or identifying lack of privilege. It's more about like, what's next? So here's humor me on this. That first feeling Mm -hmm. that I also feel when I'm denied access to a community, if I stay in that feeling, like it's this idea. And I think about a lot, like I've done this to you and now you're doing it to me. Are we just recapitulating the same problem and just flip-flopping the power balance? Sometimes I feel Mm -hmm. like that's necessary so that we can understand the problem. Like, how will I care if I, and I hate to say this, but like, we can be selfish human beings. And so if I don't really understand how deep the problem is, sometimes I need to experience it myself. I need to be disenfranchised so that I can understand what it feels like. Now I should care whether I understand it or not, but often we don't. But I think the, I wonder if the problem is if we stop there, right? And so if it's just about, it, it's a really like inward focused idea of focusing on myself belonging or not belonging, but what mm-hmm. if we focused on the boundary? What if we focused instead on ourselves, on myself or on you, and we focused on what is keeping us from being together? What is keeping us separate? And so like, even you mentioned like that access, like you didn't want to stay because you couldn't access it or there was a boundary between you and the work or between you and what was happening, the language barrier. So I wonder what would happen if the the second question was, why is that barrier there? If that then gives us somewhere to go other than continually inward of how do I hold this feeling of not belonging as like a learning moment. Hmm. Like what I just love so much about your, your second question again, and like what this, kind of like, why is the boundary even there? Like, ultimately, it comes down to relationship. And like, I think from a place of privilege, and like, why I think I go like to this inward place is like, I'm just so focused on myself and focused on like, my own experience. And like, this is just like such a good reminder that it's like, there are like, even just thinking about 
who does speak this language? Why do they, yeah, how, how would I encounter these people? How do they feel about seeing this kind of work in the middle of Seattle? Right. And so even that idea of your, when you said like, I'm so focused on myself, maybe that's what creates the boundary. Like when I'm sitting there going like, if the second question is, why is this boundary there? Maybe the answer is because we're also focused on ourselves. We're focused on what we need, what we want, how to serve ourselves. Yeah. I'm going to bring up Boober right now. Cause I'm like reading Do Boober it. right now, the I and thou, but in his post script, he talks about this idea of inclusivity mm-hmm. and that I've just, it's been like rattling around my brain ever since I read it when it's all about you have to learn how to take a stand in yourself and stand where you are while at the same time boldly switching over to trying to understand somebody else's story. Right. And it's like nearly impossible in the sense of like having to hold that boundary. But it, he actually says it's only by grace and by pra- like by like just sitting in that more and more you like are able to learn how to be totally inclusive. And, and I think that's what that's just why you're talking. I'm thinking about that, which is like t- to an extent, like me thinking about my experience and what I'm feeling is important, but it's not everything. Right. And how can I like sit there, stand there and then also like try to stand in Lorena Cruz Santiago's shoes. Right. And I think that's why I love this idea of the permeable boundary, that the boundary is there, but it's meant to be permeable. And this like holding together two things that have been kept separate. And then even on just a human level, what you're talking about now is like you and I, like we example of me and you, right? Like there is a boundary. There's even these very physical boundaries. Like we're different human beings. We have different bodies. We have different mm-hmm. experiences. And then there's the societal boundaries and the privilege boundaries and all these different levels. And it's important for me to understand what's going on, but also to reach out and try and connect with you and understand you. And so what, what that, I wonder, I I like the image of a permeable boundary where there's a boundary between you and I, but it's meant to be permeable so that I can hold myself and yourself together. Yeah. And I mean, that's something Boomer talks about, which is actually like the boundary is needed to a certain extent, like to be human. We, like you said, that we inherently just have these bodies that are not connected and, and actually our bodies need that separation to be healthy, to be safe, to be, to like function properly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like we need that community. We need that connection. We need to be able to like have these permeable boundaries to, to have full health. Right. That maybe meant things are not meant to be permanent and crystallized, but they're just meant to be passed through. Right. Like we create these boundaries, we create yeah. these categories so that we can orient ourselves, but we're meant to keep going. Like I, I was thinking this morning about things mm-hmm. that fall in this category, things that are separate that we bring together. And, and another thing that I wrote down when I was like journaling, it reminds me of what you're saying about this idea of if the interloper, the outlier is, is meant to bring things together that have been separated, not just people groups and different categories and different languages all these different categories that we could, I could list off right now, but also this idea of who we are and who we are not. That so often we get in that, we like create a category of like, Hmm. this is who I am and I'm not you. And oftentimes, like, I think we fall into a trap of defining ourselves against who we aren't, you know, like this is my big criticism of first wave feminism, where I think it was like a necessary step to get, continue to develop and get where we are. But it was so much defined by saying, I am a woman, which is not a man. And hadn't quite got to the the place of saying, well, what is what is a woman other than not a man, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we've been like progressing and learning and, and complexifying and nuancing that conversation. But I think where we get stuck in these categories is where I'm saying I am not you, and that's how I'm defining myself. But what if 
the interloper, the point of this is to bring together things that are separated. Part of that is saying, is holding together who I am and who I am not in the same space. I'm thinking of uh, I Heart Huckabees, um, or Jude Law's character is saying, how am I not myself? Yeah. <laughs> how am I not myself? How am I not myself? Because um, even as you're talking, like you're, you're talking specifically like relationally, yeah. but even like internally, I was like, oh my gosh, like I know that I say like, that wasn't me. Like what I did yesterday, that wasn't me. Right. And even, even just that is like, but how is it not me? Right. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Like, well, I was thinking about it <laughs> this morning of, cause I was actually reading, uh, which I'm going to copy and send to you this article by Libby Byrne, who's the, an artist. I was rereading it. And one of the things she was talking about is how important as an artist, it's so important to let go of who you are not so that you can begin to understand who you are. And that life is about sloughing mm. off the things that we are not so that we can understand who we are. And that in doing that, we actually open ourselves up. We're letting go of this like perceived control of who we are and opening ourselves up to this imagination of what's possible. Like what's possible becomes so much infinitely larger as we let go of who we are not. And that's this internal keeping together things that are separated. And then we can like magnify mm -hmm. that out between, you know, you and I are different people and different groups and different societies and countries and languages and, and keep getting broader and broader. As an, or the progressing progressing bed. I love that metaphor oh you right yeah. that's a, yeah that's a great metaphor yeah what so is it's it? the idea uh and i will have to do some research on where this came from but it's this idea of that there's a bed and then you have a stranger come over to your house to spend the night and they're too tall to fit in the bed and so you cut off the bottom part of their legs so that they'll fit in the bed instead of like expanding the bed so that they can sleep and so the <laughs> idea is that we often do that with our belief system is if all of our beliefs don't fit or who we are doesn't fit nicely into a category or into a box, instead of expanding the category, expanding the box, we cut parts of ourselves off so that we'll fit in. So with Interloper, what are we doing? How are we addressing this, this bed? Are we saying there needs to be no bed? Are we saying we're going to make a bigger bed? How do you, how do you feel like we are doing that with interloper. I don't know. My answer is I don't know. But I, I wonder, there's something about movement in here that I can't really put my brain to. Of There's something about anti-stagnation. I almost feel like in this metaphor, interloper is about saying, hey, let's not like permanently affix this bed because we're going to have to continually resize it over and over and over mm -hmm. and rethink. Why is it a bed? What does the bed look like? Do we need to make it wider, smaller, bigger? a different dimension, you know, like all these different softer, harder. I think, it, I think we're complexifying the concept of the bed so that we can mm -hmm. say, Hey, no matter what size shape you are long, short, whatever, we're going to, there's a snug bed for you. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I love that. And I love the idea. Like it's not an Ikea bed that has like, you know, one size fits, fits most or like, um, I'm even thinking it's not even necessarily just a different material that's really easy to mold. You know, I was thinking maybe like a bean bag or something that you can just like put more beans in. I actually think maybe it is like a full on like bed frame and like mattress, like the whole 
the whole thing. And we were like, we're going to do the work mm. so that you fit exactly right. how you need to fit. This will be your perfect. Right. Bed. Like the stranger in that. Is that a metaphor or analogy? I can't ever remember. The procrastinating bed. Is it a metaphor? Um, I, okay. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's right. probably both. Well, the, in the procrastinating bed, the interloper is the stranger that shows up. And then suddenly, and here, here's what you have. You have a choice. You can either cut off the legs of the stranger or you can send them away and say, I'm sorry, we just don't have space for you here. Or we stop and say, holy shit, why did we make the bed this size? Obviously, there are people that don't fit in it. Yeah, I, I love that this is, it becomes about hospitality. And in some ways, that's what this whole conversation is about anyways. Like within ourselves, within our hearts, within our heads, within our communities, how are we hospitable to people that aren't like us? That we don't immediately, or even just, how are we hospitable to just anybody who's not ourselves. Yeah. And I think even in that question shows like how hard it is to break out of this. Cause I keep thinking like, what, what if hospitality is actually more of like, how are we hospitable to our, yeah. How are we hospitable to ourselves when we realize that we don't belong? Like, I just think how revolutionary <laughs> would it be of every time there is an interloper in the midst of a community? If the first question is why don't we belong with this person? Mm -hmm. Like what about us is, do we need to reassess? Do we need to rethink? What about our bed is too small or too big? And mm -hmm. so there, yeah, there's something interesting. It, it takes a lot of work. I like how you said that of work. Like that's a commitment of saying, um, and that's what feels hard with an increasing population and globalization mm -hmm. it, it is, I think what, what being human often calls for is a smallness an intentionality of saying there is no set way to do things. And so we constantly have to reassess and recreate and personalize everything in a world where it's much easier with a huge population to create categories and move on and just take it as a lot, take the interlopers as a loss. Mm. Hey, we had to cut your legs off. You, you, you lost your feet. You can't walk anymore. You're going to die out while you're sleeping from blood loss, but these other hundred people are fine. So one loss is like, makes sense for all the thing gains that we'll have. But I don't believe in saying, hey, let's change the bed to make it big so that everyone can fit. Because then what? You're like in a bed that's too big and you're like flopping around or I don't know. Like I'm saying, like it's, it's this really hard intentional work of saying, like, what does it mean to like have a community of people that can fully live into who they are and there's space for every different particularity in that community? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because some people don't want to be in bed with another person. Right. And some people do. And some people do. Well, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's with all this. It's like, who's, who's being honest with themselves. Right. And I do question how honest we actually are, uh, when we fit into a category. Yeah. tried to make a podcast and we're pretty proud of it because we think we were honest, but we're also very aware of how imperfect it is and how much we don't know and how much you may not know us. And so we're taking a risk and we're putting ourselves out there because we think these things are really important to talk to. So let us know what you think. You can go to interloperinterloper.com slash podcast. Right. Connor is the one that, uh, keeps me honest and then you can leave a comment or you can send us an email and next time we drop interloper podcast we're going to address some of the comments and questions let us know 
The song you heard on the podcast today is Lofi and La Fila de la Totiria by Palmasur. Interloper is a project of the, the Milkshake, Milkshake Club. Club. <laughs> Join us for a Milkshake Club podcast episode. But if you're exper- if you're expecting something very serious like this episode, just know it's not going to happen. Or it might. You know, we might like <laughs> laugh a ton and who knows? That's the point. There's no rules with the Milkshake Club. It's true. That's where we get to be honest. <laughs> That's where we get to be honest, right? And uh, cue, cue the milkshake blender going off. <laughs> That'll be our end note. The audiophile of you pretending to be a blender. <laughs> 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 <laughs>